Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome back, everyone, to Good News. I am Deacon Al. We're here on Catholic Spirit Radio to bring you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, every week, we look into our readings uh, from this weekend's Mass. We also, uh, from time to time, dig into the mailbox. Uh, if you have a question about Catholicism or Christianity in general, and whether you're pro or con, doesn't matter. We're open to all questions. I just ask that they be respectful, and we'd be happy to address them here on the program. So you can write to us at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org. And we would be happy to uh, to listen to your questions. Got a couple that have been building up since I've been gone for the last several weeks, and uh, it's good to be back. This is uh, just like the second show since our my return after uh, falling down a step and breaking my foot. And uh, we just had—I can't tell you the result. I just had an X-ray, but by the time we do the show, I haven't gotten the results of the X-ray yet. But I've just had my third. X-ray uh, every four weeks. They they take another uh, bony picture to see what's going on. And I have to tell you, so I break the bone. They take an X-ray to prove that the bone is broken. I go back four weeks later. They take another picture, and the doctor looks at it. And it was Dr. Schnoik. If any of you know Dr. Schnoik at OSF, uh, he's a wonderful podiatrist. He's taking great care of me. Thank you, Dr. Schnoik. But he looks at the picture and goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just what I expected. No change. So that's that's after four weeks, right? So he says, continue with the boot, 24-7, leg elevated, no weight. Come back in four weeks. So go back four weeks later. So now we're mid-August. And uh, he takes the next x-ray and it's, uh-huh, uh-huh. No change yet. And he shows me the picture. Still two very noticeable clean breaks. No mending, no calcification, nothing. So that was after eight weeks, absolutely no change. So now we've had the 12-week picture and or about to, and uh, and we'll find out. But uh, I'm hoping it's going to be, oh, look at that, it's healed. Put on your shoe, go away, bye-bye. Um, it, it's feeling better. I can I can walk short distances without the crutch. But if I have to go any long distance at all, I, I need the crutch to take some weight off the foot or, or it begins to hurt. What really drives me crazy is it's still numb. It's still numb. Not the whole foot, but half the half that hit the floor is still numb. The half that was up in the air is fine. The half that hit the floor, still numb. And it's beet red. Still beat red after all these weeks. So I tell you that because it it has forced me to change a lot of my ministries. A lot of what I do now has been, we're back to Zoom. Thank you, Zoom. I mean, right, that that really came into its stride during the, the peak of COVID. Uh, but if I hadn't learned how to use it right now, I'd... I'd I'd be hurting, and and the couples that I do baptismal prep with and marriage prep with, um, it, would, it would have thrown thrown quite a monkey wrench into our into our uh, meetings. So now I can still meet with them on Zoom because 
from the ankle up, I'm fine. It's just the ankle down that's, that's busted up. So thank you to the folks at Zoom for giving us such a nice tool. So, um, but darn it, I haven't been able to go to a lot of meetings. Oh, don't you hate that when you can't make a meeting? My, my mother, my mother was an alderman in our hometown for many years, about uh, 16, 20 years. And her office was in our back room. And she had a sign over the, the entrance door that said, uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only son and not a committee. So <laughs> any of you who in your work have to deal with committees uh, understand where that's coming from. So uh, one of the blessings of, because I think everything has, has a blessing to it. Even, any of the hurdles that come our way in life, um, if you look long enough and deep enough, there's actually some blessings to it. There's been a blessing to this broken foot. One of them is uh, I had a great reason to not attend a lot of meetings. And I could just look at the minutes over email and say, nice job, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for all your work. And, uh, and I didn't have to go. Uh, the other thing is it has, it has helped with my empathy quite a bit for, uh, for a lot of, in a lot of ways. You know, I, I'm care, a caregiver for my mother who has some health problems. And for any of you, oh, I'm sorry, I have a little allergy reaction here. For any of you who are caregivers, um, there's great grace to that, but it's also tough. It's difficult being a caregiver. It really is. I don't think I fully appreciated what it's like to be on the receiving end of that until I broke my foot and uh, realized how helpless a feeling that is when you know what you want to be able to do and you just can't do it and you have to rely on others to do it. So part of this uh, broken, part of the grace of this broken foot was uh, it definitely helped grow more empathy in me than I, than I had before. Or maybe I had at one point, but I was getting a little hardened. My heart was getting a little hardened. And this was a, this was a wake up to realize, uh, help me better understand how other people feel. You know, when I broke it, the moment I broke it, this is going to sound weird. The first thing that went through my mind was you've broken your foot. The second thing that went through my mind was I did it trying to help Jesus. You know, I did it moving his tabernacle to a safer spot. And the thing that went through my head was the, the story about um, St. Teresa of, of uh, Avila. And I don't think there's any truth to this, but it's just a great legend. So the story goes that she's uh, heading back to the convent one night on horseback during a rainstorm, crack of lightning, and the horse reared and threw St. Teresa off the horse into a mud puddle. And as she picked herself up, she said, God, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. Now, <laughs> I, I doubt, I doubt that uh, a saint would say that. I doubt that uh, the lightning and, and the horse rearing were God's fault. I don't think God broke my foot. I think oftentimes we, we tend to blame God for things that go wrong in our life. And we have to remember that, number one, he's not the only force in the world. There's an evil force as well as a good force. And the evil force doesn't love us, only loves himself. God loves us. God created us because he's love, and love searches for a lover, right? The love yearns for, for a beloved. We exist— 
only because God wants to share that love. He wants to have that relationship because without a relationship, love, love doesn't exist. It's stagnant. It dies. So we, we are necessary for each other and God is necessary for us. So he's not going to hurt us. He, God doesn't, God doesn't ding us like that. That's not what he wants. Uh, I have, I have felt very comforted by his presence, uh, from the prayers, uh, from others, uh, for my healing. Um, as much as a, uh, this is more of an annoyance than a cross, I have much bigger crosses to bear than, than a boot. So, uh, this, this has been more of an annoyance than, than anything else. And I would never think of blaming God for my fall. If, if you have an, a car accident, it's not God's fault. If you slip and fall down the stairs as I did, it's not God's fault. Um, I think without God's protection, my injury could have been much, much worse. So I, I thank God that all it was was a small broken bone and, uh, and appreciate the fact that, uh, that he protected me. He didn't hurt me. So let's, let's keep that in mind. And when we get today to our, uh, to our gospel story, there's, there's some of that in, in there as well. So what I was starting to say about the foot, one of the things I've, uh, I've been able to do is spend more time reading and in prayer. And I do that on my deck. I have a very nice deck that overlooks the gardens in my backyard. And I've been able to get up in the morning, make a cup of coffee get out on the deck with my wife's help and uh, sit down and spend a couple hours. I do my morning prayers and I just sit there and I enjoy my gardens, the birds coming through, the butterflies, because I, I have plants meant to draw those kind of things in and uh, and all kinds of other wildlife coming in. And that has just been so enjoyable. It's just been a real blessing uh, to be able to do that. One of the drawbacks of, of sitting and watching your garden grow is that weeds grow. I mean, oh my gosh. I don't plant, I plant and care for my, for my flowers. And the weeds, without any help at all, go ripping right past my flowers. I mean, I, I had a dandelion. Uh, a friend of mine came over, a very kind uh, parishioner came over and mowed my lawn. He's been coming actually once a week through this whole thing. So now for 12, 13 weeks, he's been coming to mow my lawn. And he brought this over to me like a trophy because it's on the far side of the house. I can't see it. It's around the corner. And he brings me a dandelion. I'm telling you, it was like four feet tall. It was huge. It was huge. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it didn't beat him up in trying to pull it out of the ground. I mean, it, it was that large. And so I've got these huge weeds growing. My wife's allergies, she's pretty much worthless in the garden, love her dearly. And she's taking great care of me, but she loves to look at the flowers. She loves the beauty of the gardens, but she's just not a garden. And, and she does not have a green thumb. We have in our house, we have all artificial plants. We see now I, my, I don't know if my wife's going to listen to this episode. I'll, I'll keep her busy because we, we had to, we had to go to silk because it was cheaper to have some flowers than to keep replacing the live plants that my wife cannot keep living for anything. So now we have air plants. Have you seen air plants before? I'd never seen this. She got these like a year and a half, two years ago, and they're still going. These are plants that don't need water. 
Well, you, she soaks them once a week for 15 minutes in water. And then they go back in the vase with no soil, just exposed roots, and they grow. Soak them for 15 minutes in water. She's managed to keep these air plants alive for over a year. This is, this is a huge feat for my wife when it, when it comes to horticulture. So, so she hasn't been big on pulling weeds. And I sit there in my garden and I watch these weeds just come up from everywhere, all different kinds. And uh, breaks my heart because I was really meticulous about keeping my gardens clean. And I can't do anything about it. And weeds to me, when I see weeds, I immediately think sin. This is just, this is how my mind goes. Because for me, my garden is heaven, right? Uh, and, and the work I do on the garden, for me, symbolizes the work I do on myself as a Christian. You know, I, I try and prune out the dead stuff, right? I, I try and, and have good soil and, and make sure that I plant in good soil uh, according to Scripture, so weeds to me, that's, that's the sin encroaching on my Christian life. And it's hard sometimes to sit there. It's necessary. It's necessary to take the time to search out the weeds. It's necessary to, to get in there and, and yank these things out of your lives. We do that through confession, uh, not, only, not only through the sacrament, but just through confessing to God, I think one of the best exercises you can do uh, as, as a Christian, and, and I, I recommend you start young. If you haven't done this, it's harder to do as you get older. I recommend start young. Start as a teenager. Um, or if you have teenagers at home, help them, help guide them into this exercise. At the end of each day, sit down and, and really go through your day. Do some self-evaluation. Do some self-reflection. What did I do today? that reflected Christ in my life to others? What did I do today that didn't reflect Christ to others? Those are your sins. Those are the things you, we, we take with us into the confessional or just take, take with us to our nightly prayer to say, you know, God, give me strength. God, give me wisdom. God, give me perseverance. Uh, give me patience to overcome these sins. That's weeding your garden. And if you never look at, if, if you had an actual garden in your yard and you never looked at it, it would quickly become overcome by sin, by, by weeds. If you have a life that you want it to be a Christian life, but you don't really take a good look at it, it will be overcome with sin. These, these weeds in your life will overtake things and it will choke out what's good. Even small sins add up to big sins. You know, they, they, it's, it's like an addiction. You start sinning small, and, and pretty soon the larger sins don't bother you as much because you've allowed yourself to become accustomed to the smaller ones. So uh, treat your life like a garden and get in there and yank those weeds out, uh, big or small. Uh, don't be afraid of them. Uh, they're, uh, they're, it's, it's, a necess it's something that's going to happen. There's sins that's going to take place in our lives because we're broken. Uh, Adam and Eve broke us. Uh, from our, our our relationship with God, uh, but you can you can fight back. So I, I invite you to take a good look at your lives each night. Where where did I reflect the love of Christ, and where did I not reflect the love of Christ? And then turn your prayer towards those things. Uh, strengthen uh, what's good, and do battle with what's bad. 
Day Calaris, everybody. Um, wonderful way to spend your weekend. Uh, thanks to all the uh, the volunteers. It takes over 100 people to put on a Curcio weekend. And uh, thank you to those of you who are participants uh, this year, candidates who gave up their last 72 hours to uh, enjoy a weekend with fellow Christians from all all sorts of uh, uh, Christian faiths throughout the town. We get everybody to this. It's not purely a Catholic weekend. It's a Christian weekend, and and we have a wonderful time. So, uh, day Caloris. But uh, I'm just starting to get back into my ministries. Really, uh, really missed it. Really hope to get more active soon. So we're shooting for shooting for All Saints Day. Hopefully, be able to uh, be back into full swing and back into some regular uh, some regular shoes by then. So this weekend, the gospel is one of my favorite because it has such a great story, and it's so multi layered that uh, we don't always appreciate everything it says. I want to talk especially about the the son prodigal. Anybody have you ever wondered what prodigal means? Most people think it means um, returning or lost, wayward, the prodigal son, the son who went astray. It's not what it means. Prodigal means extravagant. It means overly extravagant. That's what this young man was. He was wasteful. He was extravagant to the point of being wasteful. And that's what prodigal means, someone who's wastefully extravagant. So you'll you'll hear that as we go through the story. So if you thought it was lost or returning, it's not at all what it means. He was very wasteful. But in in a way, you can almost look at the father as being extravagantly wasteful as well, but in a good way. So we can compare those as we go through the story. It's always good to look at this and say, where am I in my life at this point? Which Which son am I? Because he has two sons that we talk about. And neither of them come off exceedingly well. They both have their they both have their issues, and they're both being called to come back to the Father. So let's look at this and, and see how this speaks to us today. So it says tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sits it on his shoulders and with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having 10 coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons. And the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, 
where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, remember that prodigal, that that extravagantly wasteful? He's wasted his entire inheritance. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but no one gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and he went back to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, he heard the, the, he, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The son became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fatted calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Great story. And so many layers to this. So a couple things I I want you to think about. The young son didn't just leave the house. He didn't just take what was his and and wander off. I mean, you might think this this could be you going off to college, right? You pack your bags, you head off to college. No, no. What happened was the son went to the father and said, let's pretend you're dead. Let's just, let's just say, Dad, you're dead. I want my inheritance now. Whatever you would have given to me years from now when you finally pass away, I don't want to wait. I want what's mine, and I want it now. So to me, the son's saying, to me, you're as good as dead. So the father says, okay, that's what you want. He sits down, he does the books. He figures out what portion belongs to the son. What portion would that be? It would be just over half, because this is the older, this is the son. This is the the, the favored son. And uh, 
So he actually gives more to him than he gives to the faithful son. And the son takes it and he goes off. And in no time at all, it's gone. He's wasted it. He's wasted it on on stuff, on sinful stuff, on sinful activities, and it's gone. And he realizes his mistake. He's too embarrassed to go back to his father because he's already spent everything that was rightfully his. What is there to go back to? So instead, he hires himself out to a local who puts him doing, of all things, caring for swine. Not not the best job for a good Jewish boy. So he's seeing the swine being treated better than he's treated. And he finally comes to his senses and he says, you know, I'm going to go back to my father and say, I'm sorry. I've made a huge mistake. Treat me as you would one of your hired helpers. I'm not worthy to be treated your son. That's actually, that's actually quite a wonderful attitude. That's the attitude we should walk into the confession with, the confessional with, is that contriteness. Contrite means broken. When we, when, when, Scripture talks about having a contrite heart. It means That means not just broken, but ground into pieces. That's what contrite is. It's ground up. We should, we should feel about our sins the way this son has felt about his. We should go back to God our Father in the confessional with this contrite, ground-up heart to say, I'm not, I'm not even worth your consideration I have sinned against you. Here's what I've done. And God, like the father in our story, is less interested in what we did wrong and more interested in our repentance. He loves us no matter what you've done. Don't ever think you've done a sin that is too great to be forgiven. It's not. Christ is waiting for your return. When people say, well, God left me years ago. God turned his back on me. This happened. No. God never leaves us. We turn our back on God. We turn our our back on God through sin. And sometimes we get so stuck that we're too embarrassed to come back. That's why you don't see a lot of people in line at confession. I think right now the the numbers of of Catholics who use the sacrament of confession— pardon me, on a regular basis, is hovering around 4%. Isn't that awful? That's, this is the laundromat of our soul. I mean, this is where we go to get renewed. Confession is resurrection. It really is. We die through sin. And then through, through the absolution that we gain through the sacrament, we're reborn. We, we rise from the dead. This is uh, outside of the, the last day. Uh, the second coming of Christ, this is the closest you'll ever get to resurrection, is the confessional. Uh, I've talked before, the the great love of my life is clean sheets. I just, I love clean sheets. I just, I just like climbing in between the, the crispness and the smell and the feel of clean sheets. To me, the confessional is the laundromat of my faith. That's where I can go in and say, you know, I've, I've, these, these, these need to be cleaned. I need to get rid of this. I need new sheets. I need clean sheets. And through the grace of God, uh, you walk out spotless. And it's such a great feeling. It's horrible going in. I hate walking into the confessional. I hate standing in line. I hate walking in. I love coming out because I feel completely new. 
So no matter what sin you've done in your life, God is this prodigal father, this extravagant father who is ready to uh, give you all the graces he can and all the asses that you come back and he'll, he'll meet you. You don't even have to crawl to him. He'll run out to meet you uh, just as, as, and celebrate just as the shepherd over the lost sheep or the woman finding the missing coin. You are precious to God. And so no matter what your sin, I, I want you to really sit down and, and look deep into this parable and realize that, that God is a loving, forgiving Father who waits for your return. I wait for your return next week here on Good News of Catholic Spirit Radio. Until then, may God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.